0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we're back at you till the top of the hour with Catherine Swift and Peggy Nash. And uh, I've got to ask because this is something that uh, I guess was leaked to the media, that the Ford government is planning a revamp of the math curriculum. Uh, Doug Ford earlier today, give a listen.
1: We're making sure that our grade six students are no longer ranked the lowest in the country when it comes to math tests. 50% of grade six students are failing math tests, the lowest in the country. One third of those teachers that are teaching the grade six math test, they failed the test as well. So we need to put more training with our teachers and focus on our students.
0: All right, so you've got 48% of the grade six students actually passed or met the standard for the EQAO uh, testing here in the province. Uh, He says, going back to basics, Catherine Swift, is that the right approach?
1: Well, we haven't seen the detail about what this means yet. I think I, I don't think anyone can really deny that there's a problem here, and there's been a problem for a while. This isn't you know hot news. Uh, uh, it, and it isn't as simple as, as a, a good chunk of students failing, you know, their tests at various development stages. Uh, we we all see the uh, the, the next, you know, the upcoming generation that can't do math at even the most basic math, and that's a skill set. You know, I, I understand people when they say, "Oh, you can't just have a rote learning; everybody's an automaton." No, you can't. But if you don't have a base. You can't do that more sophisticated stuff either. We now have uh, universities are giving remedial, basic math and literacy courses that never happened twenty to thirty years ago. So there's clearly a problem here. I think part of it definitely is going back to some of the more traditional ways of teaching math, Uh, and I I, I guess we need to see the detail. I'd like to see financial literacy. I'd like to see that as a part of the curriculum. Our kids can't do some of the most basic things, as you know, knowing how to to get a mortgage knowing how to get a car loan whatever and and that is our, why isn't our education system teaching that we pay our teachers a lot too by the way and they retire early with big fat pensions and we pay a lot of money for that how can they not be equipped to do their job
0: well you know and that's the argument because you saw that with the sex ed curriculum the argument from proponents to uh get to the more contemporized one was because there's a new world reality out there that the kids have to confront Ditto for math or things, as you say, financial literacy and uh, budgeting, uh, accounting, that kind of stuff. Shouldn't that be incorporated into a new math curriculum along with the basics? I mean, because all of, after all, this stuff is sort of rooted in the basics, isn't it, Peggy?
2: Well, I think anything that helps prepare students both for uh, further studies and for the practical realities of their lives, I think is useful, so, so that's the
0: basic stuff, right?
2: well, think, yes, being able to do your finances, budgets, uh mortgages, loans, things
0: like that would you but let's be uh, practical, would you incorporate that in a say a grade six curriculum
2: well i I think in a, in a grade six curriculum, you can kids aren't taking mortgages, but they no, sure, but they could learn about they that. sure could learn about some life skills about budgeting about saving. Um, I also think uh, the world is changing. Kids should understand how to code. They should understand how to use math in applied ways. So I don't, you know, it's been a long time since I was out of school. I don't know what the current curriculum does, but if it's not working, um, then I, I think in principle updating it making sure teachers have the right skills for students I think that makes sense
0: well that's what Doug Ford was alluding to and uh, according to one government source discovery math is gone it's failed our children and uh, can't come soon enough on the budget issue this is interesting because we've got one coming out federally on the 19th that's next Tuesday And some people are positing that, well, because the economy's been soft of late, uh, Morneau's going to go on a spending binge. You're already wincing, Catherine Swift. What do you anticipate here?
1: Well, last year the economy was doing pretty well, and he went on a spending binge. So I think uh, pretty much any justification seems to be good enough for uh, this particular Liberal government to go on a, a spending binge. I don't know, why don't they talk to Paul Martin and Jean Chrétien and those kind of people who were... Panicked back in the mid 1990s because our country was about to hit the wall. We were being called a third world country uh, because of a debt and a, you know problems, and, and a number of governments are responsible for that too. To be fair. Uh, why do they not realize we're heading there again and the, the the real risk of course from a purely economic standpoint is we see all these indicators slowing down in the economy we see investment in the tank and that's a ba- that's bad news because that mean- that's trouble for the next number of years a lot of talk about tipping on the edge of a recession so sp- even more spending we're already spending over 30 billion a year in debt service just to pay the interest on our debts. That's like a federally. whole new pro federally. That's just, yeah, that's just federally, mm-hmm. way more than that provincially. Uh, why don't they get that they're just making us so vulnerable to the next economic turndown? Uh, it's going to be a big disaster, I'm afraid. And, but yeah, I, I have no doubt they're going to spend, spend, spend. They're talking pharmacare, They're talking possibly uh, some kind of basic income. And those are hugely big ticket programs.
0: Well, and they're big liberal programs. The other thing, of course, the NDP would support that. Wouldn't you Peggy Nash, national Pharmacare, that's something in the works.
2: Well, you know, the devil is in the details. And, um, what the NDP would support is a single payer national pharmacare program. What would that uh, it cost? doesn't. It doesn't. It would cost less than what we're paying now in uh, pharmaceutical costs because you, have, when you have a single payer, you get a better price for your drugs, and um, you have more efficient administration. It's just that now much of that money goes through companies. It goes through individuals, through insurance
1: plans. So you're going to get pushback from the insurance industry for sure. But also you see you see these government programs and our our, our, health, our, our existing health care system is a good example. It rations. We see things getting knocked off because it's in trouble financially. We see things getting knocked off. They don't cover a lot of vision care. They don't cover, you know, there's a lot of these services that used to be at least partially covered that aren't covered anymore. That'll happen with drug care. Don't, don't fool yourself. A, a big PharmaCare program, you'll see all kinds of drugs that won't be covered that are covered today by a number of programs. So to, to think it's going to be some kind of panacea, also efficient, administration in the same sentence as government administered i have a big problem with that
0: (laughs) let me ask another panacea and i'm tight on time but since you guys have got uh experience on the labor front it's talk of a labor shortage in canada like the job numbers came out last month fifty-five thousand jobs created surprised most economic uh, economists and yet you know we've got a soft economy 0.04 percent growth annualized i mean you could be headed for a recession as Catherine said and yet uh businesses are saying there are uh, jobs wanting and uh, a labor shortage so we should import skilled labor is that something that they just want to import skilled labor to uh, keep the costs low domestic labor may cost more I mean what's the thinking do we need to bring in people immigrants with skills and uh, or do we teach them here at home
2: well you know it's true that there's a generational change taking place and uh, we do have a skill shortage in some areas that's absolutely correct I think for a generation, young people were encouraged to go to post-secondary education, universities, colleges, and discouraged from becoming tradespeople. And that's a shame because those are very good jobs. I'd like to see more of our young people in apprenticeship programs getting access to those jobs. But if we have a skilled shortage and we need to import some of those skills, then I think we should do that. But many of the... Uh, workers who come in under under these programs are not necessarily necessarily skilled. Some of them are temporary foreign workers working in the service sector, working in factories. Well, the government's
0: talking about extending that program out so that, uh, you know, these people can be working here longer. Let me just pivot uh, quickly to Catherine Swift. What do you find with the small business people? Do they need people to come in and do the jobs?
1: Even even though you have a relatively low unemployment rate, we have a lot of big trends happening. The aging population means people are exiting the workforce. Immigration does perform, you know, does fill some of that gap, not all of that gap. And like you say, John, a lot of it is specifically specific skill shortages you might have bodies out there we have a lot of people on EI right now for example that frankly should be in the workforce there's no reason that they shouldn't be working but the the skill set match is really the challenge and that's going to and that's not a, even a function almost of the economy that's going to be a function for the next Number of decades, partly because of aging population, partly because of, you know, the changing nature of our economy and so on. So I think we have to do all of the above. We have to bring people in. We have to uh, also train existing people as best we can. But I, I must say, from a small business standpoint, I remember the debates about the temporary foreign worker program. The hoops a business has to go through, the red tape, the costs they have to endure, to think that they're going to get some big bargain is a total fallacy. A, a business has to bend over backwards to conform to all the rules to bring in a temporary foreign worker. they got to want them real bad, and it's not because of saving money. They've got to really need a person in there that they just can't find locally.
0: Boy, it's a good discussion. I've got to cut it short. Uh, we're done. It goes fast. Catherine Swift former uh, head of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, and Peggy Nash, the former NDP MP for Parkdale High Park. Appreciate your coming in. And by the way, take care of your th- th- throat <laughs> there. Thanks, John. All right. Uh- Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.